This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome in to Inside Carolina's On the Beat Live podcast on a Monday night. Throwing off the mojo. Monday night, nine o'clock, November 14th. Ross Martin, producer John Bowman. Adam Smith will be here shortly. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Boys, we are live. Ross, busy day for you, huh? Yeah, two press conferences today, or I mean, four if you include the coordinators. So, went right from um, Hugh, uh, Mac Brown, Phil Longo, and Gene Chizik into Hubert Davis. Um, but it just feels like, man, it's all football right now. I'm just not, to be honest, I'm not really plugged into the basketball um, with the 901 Tar Heels, the Coastal Champion Tar Heels. So, um, the, the, the basketball just felt kind of like an afterthought. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy how it works, um, and I agree with you. Um, of course, it's not an afterthought for a lot of people that watch this show and a lot of people that pull for Carolina. But, yeah, when you're 9-1 and one in football um, and basketball is just getting started, game against Gardner-Webb kicked us to Monday night here. Um, it, it's just – it's not time. It, it doesn't seem like it's time for basketball yet. Let's get right into it. John, you said you had some hot takes. Oh. I have many hot takes. You can go ahead and give me a hot give me a hot take right out the gate. Let me be very clear with our viewers tonight. <laughs> we are in uncharted waters. We are in completely uncharted waters. UNC has a Heisman quarterback candidate. Mm. And UNC is actively in the college football playoff race. Those are two things that nobody would have even dreamed of saying. I I, I think even Tommy thinks that you know that is absurd where we started this season to be saying those phrases and yet that's where we are there are basically nine to ten teams that are left in the country that could make the college football playoff and unc is one of them that is just a fact that is just a a fact that you have to put out there so it's a very exciting time for fans of the north carolina football program it is big game you, you know i always say the more you win the bigger the games get so it's a big one against georgia tech um, but let's look back a little bit, Ross. I, I wanted to ask you about covering the game in Winston. Did you get a taste of any of that Winston Wake Forest, those 10 fans you mentioned mm-hmm. last week? Because I've got a funny story that I don't know is really appropriate for this format. But what you got? 
Uh, it was a good, good crowd. I thought overall, yeah, a lot more than ten fans, but a lot of a lot of UNC. You know, we're in the press box, so we see um, really just one side of the field. Um, but it was a great crowd, good atmosphere there. Uh, it's an interesting place, man, because they're such a small school. But I mean, it's a it's a nice it's a nice stadium, good setup. I mean, it's a you know it's big time. You know, it's it's not some rinky dink football program like they do it right. Their press box is unbelievable. It's just it's a very new modern big press box um it was a good game and i thought you know i thought this was unc's toughest test to date um and it came down to the end and defense made a play and uh drake may and josh downs did drake may and josh downs things as we like to say and it was a good good solid win for unc kind of hope that was more of a ranked you know if it was you wish it was a top 25 game which would carry a little more clout but uh unc is beating who's ahead of them and and the train rolls on yeah, a lot of people um, were, were happy when NC State lost to Boston College. And, you know, we can all sort of enjoy that to some extent. But I think it hurts Carolina, ultimately, because I kind of wanted to see Carolina get the chance to play a top 10, top 12 team. And I think State would have been there could they, if they could have beaten the 3-7 and seven Boston College mm-hmm. teams. Uh, you know, they're beat up as well, but Boston College came through there. Ross, when you when you watch that game though, uh, and this is something we talked about when and you mentioned Drake and Josh things, was there ever a sense that, that Carolina's going to lose this one? This is the time Carolina's going to lose that. I just didn't get it. Sitting in the stands, I didn't feel that way. Yeah, did I mean, UNC trail, but they didn't trail by more than three, five ones. The only time yeah. they missed extra point cost them to be behind there. Yeah, and they're kind of going back and forth, you know, they with the two point conversions and stuff. Now, I, I agree. Like, I didn't really feel like it was out of hand. I mean, it just felt like UNC was kept moving the ball. The offense kind of got stalled a little bit in the um, in the second half, but um, it didn't feel like Wake was was overly dominant on, on any any on defense or offense. And I thought UNC was moving the ball at will uh, when they needed to. Um, and they just made a play, you know, you, you did kind of worry it was going to be who had the ball last situation because both teams were scoring. And I, I thought, uh, Sam Hartman was played really well. And, and those wide receivers are great there. You kind of saw how good AT Perry was, uh, five receptions, the Morin kid had five receptions for 106 yards. Um, but Cam Kelly made the, the defining play. I wrote about it. And that made the difference, um, to, to take away a possession from Wake Forest and then and get the field goal. Um, that was huge. So, yeah, I agree, Tommy. I mean, it wasn't – I didn't feel like at any point Wake had complete control of the game. I don't think UNC had complete control of the game at any point either. And it was it was a situation where someone made a play and, and UNC did, and they kind of had the ball last. And, and the defense, like we've always talked about, they, they made opportune plays and shut down the team in the fourth quarter, and that was big. I didn't really appreciate Cam Kelly's play until I went and watched Jason Staples' video this morning that he posted on the premium message boards. It really broke down the play. He did an amazing job of showing just how much agency Kelly had on that play. He was basically the free safety. He didn't have a coverage responsibility. He made an amazing play, and it it really saved that game. Uh, So I encourage everyone watching, go uh, check out Jason's video if you haven't already. That was really a, a good way to illustrate just how impressive a play that was tommy also real quick what was your experience with a wake forest fans did you have a uh, story there so they're a little they're a little rowdy um they, they get a little 
little mouthy sometimes, don't we all, at, at different times. But uh, walking out of the stadium after the game was over, that place emptied out too. It's like somebody – when Hartman threw the interception and even before Carolina got the field goal, really, it was like somebody pulled the plug in the bathtub and all the fans, like, were sucked out the exits. But we're walking out and there's this, this kid, this teenager doubled over. And I thought he was sick or hurt or whatever. And I tapped him. I was like, man, you good? You good? And he's about distraught. And it's a Wake Forest kid. He's decked out in Wake Forest. He's like, I hate Carolina so much. We're, we've got the greatest quarterback we've ever had. And he just goes on and on and on talking about Sam Hartman, Sam this. And we can't beat Carolina. And he see, he looks at us. He's like, I hate you, man. Now we're the worst P5. We're the small. It was I was like, brother, that is you signed up for that when you went to Wake Forest, <laughs> and uh, but they, you know, sort of feel their pain. They've had the best quarterback. It's kind of like when Carolina had Sam Howell. They had the best quarterback they'd had in a long time and could never get over the hump. Uh, how, how about how about NC State uh, having that Devin Leary, this Heisman candidate, you know, preseason ACC Player of the Year, maybe the team was picked preseason um, to win the Atlantic, and not only. Have they, you know, kind of fallen off now losing Boston College? But their arch rival, the Tar Heels, have the Heisman candidate and are have tickets booked for Charlotte. I mean, that's got to grind NC State fans' gears that it was their year, like this was the year for NC State, and and UNC now has the the star quarterback, the stud, and is uh, coastal champions. Yeah. It, it makes me it makes me laugh. It makes me feel it, good inside. I, for some reason, I always see that John Swafford meme. Every time I think about stuff like that in NC State. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy how it works. I mean, last year Carolina was trying to do that, trying to get Sam Howell some hype, couldn't get it done. And then State gladly jumped on the bandwagon to to try to ride that pony, and it didn't work out for them. They, uh, they're struggling, and they come to Keenan Stadium, I guess, on Friday. I asked Mac about that, about a Friday night game. I don't like Friday games, especially the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, but, anyway – um, Ross, what did you take away from the pressers today? I thought the UVA news certainly brought down the mood, and that is just that's unbelievable. I, I don't even know where to what to say. I just feel so bad for all those folks up there. But that aside, what did you think of Mac and Longo? Longo's still living the best life, right? He just his guy, yeah. man. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's he's a little bit more long winded this year. Uh, I mean, he'll answer. I mean, you, you transcribe some of it, Tommy. I mean, he is, he's answering a question and he gives you a lot. And he kind of, he move, you know, talks pretty long on each question. Um, I, I don't know what to take away about it. And I thought it was interesting asking Gene Chizik about Drake May. I mean, yeah. I'm going to put that into a little article, but I asked Gene Chizik about Drake May and, you know, he had tons of praise for him and Gene Chizik's seen a lot of quarterbacks, you know, coaching the SEC and the, I guess the Big 12 with Iowa State, as, as Adam rolls in here. You want to add Adam here, John? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe Adam will have a, a different take on the press conference. But, um, you know, I thought I thought Phil Longo about Josh Downs is interesting. I mean, what a, he said, man, having a player like that, it makes your play calling. You could do whatever you want when you have a player like that with, with, with your play calling. And, and John, Jeff Schottmer talked about it on call shots today. They've been rolling out so many different formations with, with Josh Downs and having a veteran wide receiver like that who can do everything, it, it makes it so tough to guard. I think that's been a huge – I think Josh Downs' impact is, is going to be so big. I think it's it's made Drake May such a better quarterback. And I think 
I mean, I, I, this is obvious. I think UNC will really, really miss Josh Downs next year. I think it will affect how good Drake can be next year, too, not to look too much ahead. Adam, did you have any big takeaways from the press conference this morning with uh, Longo, Chizik, or, or Mac? Uh, well, <laughs> welcome I wrote in. Like 1,500 words, I think, on it, on the news yeah. and notes. Um, uh, uh, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, big takeaways. Um, you're on the spot, it. man. You're on the uh, spot. But it was just a to what you're saying about about Downs, like who is is who is Carolina's best player? Drake May or Josh Downs? I guess Drake May. Drake That's May, what I asked more, two weeks he's ago. More, Did he's you? more important. I don't know who's the best. I mean, who's the better football player of the two? Drake May is more important yeah. to this team, without question. Um, but who's the better football player? They're both. I, I can't remember a time. Well, Carolina football has had a legitimate discussion to say they've got two of the top three or four best players in college football. Top five, top ten without question. I mean, it's just an incredible time there. Uh, Adam, I asked Ross uh, about Longo is living his best life, and he's <laughs> he talks more and he expounds more than he ever has. I think that's a cool aspect of this year, and it also is a cool aspect of having those type players too, right? He's great. I, I love Phil Longo. He, he, uh, I love the way he explains things. Comes in with his coffee black. I was talking to him about it the other the other day, and he said that's the only way to take it. <laughs> um, you know, he's been up there grinding, breaking down film. You know, we're we're asking him what numbers he's seeing on the opposing defenses, but he did. I like the way he the, the way he words things too are interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like. Well, I, I think I could call a few plays with Drake uh, May and Josh Downs running around out there and tell Antoine Green to go deep and, uh, you know, get the tight ends working underneath over the middle. I think it'd be pretty fun deal. But, I mean, Josh Downs, good Lord, what is it, 37 catches over the last three games? It's an ACC record. Nobody's ever done it. I don't know if y'all have said that, but good God. Yeah, um, max of that today, right? Was that yeah. the record? Yeah. 36 was the record by somebody from Clemson, and he's got 37. I mean, so we've seen it. Like, just imagine the fantasy football numbers. Somebody's got to have him in the, the the chat over here. I mean, good gosh, I bet he is crushing in fantasy, ACC fantasy football. I wish I had a dollar think- every time Adam said fantasy football <laughs> with Josh Towns. His <laughs> targets are numbers. His targets are crazy. The catches. I, I, I mean, PPR league, you know? Come on. Yeah, the Let's thing some- is, and I started to say he catches everything. I mean, he had 12 targets, 11 catches. Last week it was 15 catches on 16 targets. I mean, yeah. dude's got vacuums for hands. I think, too, the fact that Josh Downs is playing so well, it brings into focus for me the fact that this is UNC's window right now. Like people are talking about next year, Ross, you brought it up next year. Josh Downs is not going to be here next year unless there's something that changes. So UNC has this window right now where they have an opportunity to take on a Clemson team that is not the strongest they've ever been in the ACC championship game. Their college football playoff hopes are still alive. I think to me, next year is completely uncertain. I am laser focused. This is UNC's championship window. This is their shot. They have to take advantage of it these next three games. Maybe the biggest in program. I mean, I know I make fun of Tommy for saying that sometimes, but now we are really in the end game of the season. Every single game is really a playoff 
elimination game for UNC, which is crazy to think about. But that's yeah, so, where we are. So why are you talking about Clemson already? They got a game this weekend. I understand, mm-hmm. but that's what I'm saying. It's a playoff elimination game against Georgia Tech. It is not a home game. It's not a conference game. It is a playoff elimination game. The window for this team is this season with Josh Downs and Drake May together as well. And I do think that's why they don't need to expand the playoff because it's right now, like you mentioned, there's like 16 teams in the playoff right now, and they can't lose. And if they lose, they're out, and it whittles it down. Anyway, let's take some questions. Go ahead, Ross. Well, John, what needs to happen for UNC to make the college playoff? Have you looked at that? I actually have an interactive segment. If we want to do it real quick, I can uh, I can show you all this. It's actually going to be pretty exciting here. How great okay. is John? Has John been bringing the hot takes like he promised? He brought one wanna, so far. I want to bring this up right now because I want our viewers to understand exactly what the stakes are. Careful can everyone see this okay? Oh, I saw 538 and I'm already skeptical, John. Oh for for our uh, audio listeners, I've pulled up the 538 playoff uh, odds. You can pull this up yourselves on, on a website here. But if Georgia wins out, Ohio State wins out, and TCU wins out, and you pull it out as well that UNC wins out, UNC has the highest odds of the remaining teams to make the college football playoff. This is just, this is just the facts. UNC is very much in the race for the college football playoff. The candidates at that point would be uh, Tennessee. You'd have Michigan with uh, a loss there. Lost to Ohio State. Ohio State yep. You'd have USC there in the mix, but UNC is right in there. And the college football playoff, they have talked about the committee. They have talked about conference championships matter. In this scenario that I've just put out here, UNC would have a conference title, and that might be a trump card over some of the other teams on this list who might not have a conference championship. So, so how would UNC jump Tennessee? Because Tennessee would not play the conference championship game, right? Because Georgia plays. Mm-hmm. So if Tennessee wins out, how would UNC jump Tennessee, you think? Just because they have, they'll have the win over Clemson? The argument would be UNC has a conference championship and Tennessee did not win their conference or even make their conference championship mm-hmm. game. They're not and, even a division champion. That would exactly. be the argument. And, and look, it, it, it becomes a, a question to the college football playoff, but UNC would have a very strong resume, and they would have a chance right here. So that's why I'm saying this: the time is now, the season is in the end game. UNC is in the college football playoff mix. It, you know, believe it or not. It's, Who, it's let me ask you a question. Let me ask you all a question. Who's the head of the college football playoff committee? <laughs> Blue. Blue Oregon. Which is, uh, what's, his, what's his current job? He's the athletics director at North Carolina State University, the home of the Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Is that a good Tommy's thing? Tommy's such a fan, such an <laughs> inside Carolina message board guy thinking there's conspiracies. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it might be a good thing, right? You've no, got an ACC see. guy oversee Ross. I'm going against the grain. You, you have an ACC guy rather than an SEC guy or somebody else. It might be a benefit. Um, because rising tides raise all ships, right? Even state. Carolina's playoff trip could raise state up because it gets more money for the conference and all that stuff. I believe so, when I see it, but it's a possibility. So, John, we want we need, UNC needs Ohio State to win out, Georgia to win out, TC to win out. Yeah, there are scenarios where it sort of starts to fall apart, such as LSU winning the SEC championship. All of a sudden, Georgia 
probably has a better resume than UNC for that potential yeah. fourth spot. And, yeah, well, and LSU would I mean, get in. Yes. But you there's start a lot that needs to happen, Rawls. Yes. Mm-hmm. But UNC controls their own destiny in some ways because if they win these next few games, they're going to put themselves in a great position resume-wise. I also do want to bring in a question real quick here. Uh, this was submitted offline uh, from Mark, user HKRY Heal. Uh, he says, with this year's football team, are we seeing a replay of the basketball team's run to the Final Four last year? Do you see some parallels with, with how the team is coming together? Maybe we'll start with Adam on that one. Uh, I mean, maybe in the sense of being able to pull out uh, some anxiety-ridden victories when it looks like it might be going the wrong way, um, you know, and you're not sure. I mean, with all due respect to the team last year, you know, at some points in the year, you're like, how good are these guys? Um, I can distinctly remember uh, being in the Smith Center one night, the night that Pitt beat Carolina in basketball at at UNC and Greg Barnes turned to me and said, um, do you think this is the tournament team? And uh, I was like, ah, not looking like one right now, Greg. Going to need to win that game at Virginia Tech, which they did. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I guess you could make some parallels. I don't know. I just – I feel like this – these guys are freaking 9-1 and one and 6-0 and oh in the league. I feel like this thing is kind of an entity all to itself. You know, the six road wins by 20 points – I mean, good Lord, man. Um, you know, I think, I mean, we were all there. Well, I, I'm not sure if, if John was there. I'm sure Tommy probably was on the premises. But, I mean, Ross can tell you. I mean, how about the Cam Kelly interception the other night against Wake? You could hear just an audible groan from the people in black and gold. And then the people in Tar Heel Blue, I mean, it was almost like, I cannot believe it. You know, it looks like it's, you know, just the the gasping and the groaning. Um, There's a little uh, team of destiny here, right? Winning these games so close. I thought I thought about We're asking winning, Max small. about team of destiny if he believes what, in that type of thing. What do you think he would say? I, f- I figure like he would come out with some sort of reference from like 1979 or something, you know. <laughs> uh, and you ask you ask him one thing, and he just ends up talking about something completely different. It's crazy. Barry Spencer told me in 1979, you know, something yeah. like that. I, hey, that's how you that's how you do it. You you think he answered your question? He he might have, but it was somewhere in here when it was a big long answer. Um, Chiswick's king of that. I asked Chiswick about Cam Kelly, and what did he say? He was like, yeah, "It was nice. It was a nice <laughs> interception." But mm. he said, "That's the job description, right?" Let's <laughs> throw it right in there. Yeah, he's, the he's a little inconsistent. Short yeah. memory, right? <laughs> he's well aware of his defense's uh, issues. It seems. <laughs> what did Mac like, do today? Uh, Mac did this. I guess people can't see it. He held his hand very steady to say how Gene Gene so even killed. And yeah. Mac gave him one of those. He's probably, I mean, he's probably like, God, these guys are whatever. Uh, yeah, I was like, hey, do you have a chance? Do you have a chance to watch Drake May ever? He's like, <laughs> I got a lot of my own things to worry about when they have the ball. Pretty funny. Ross had a great <laughs> comment to Gene today saying that uh, – Gene, you've uh, coached three seasons at UNC, and they've gone to the ACC championship. Two of those three is pretty good ratio there. Yeah, he liked that one. He he grinned big on that. And I asked him about Cam Kelly. He said it was very timely for Cam. There's no question about it. He's played some really really good games. I think he's been inconsistent. He's it's, not uh, the only one. <laughs> it, it's funny, man. Fans used to rip Phil Longo 
the first, you know, first two or three seasons. And, and now, I mean, I don't think he can do anything wrong, you know, over two on fourth downs and that's the red zone issues against Wake Forest. But man, he has proven he is a guy. And yeah, like Gene Chizik, I mean, fans hate on Gene Chizik, but look, he's, he's been the coordinator for an 11 and three team and now a nine and one team, both going to the AC championship. I don't know if it's just lucky or how, how the, you know, it, it fell, but there's something he does that has got the defense playing good at the right time. They've been the difference in some games. You, you they have made a, yeah, they've made the game winning or the game ceiling play. How many times straight since Notre Dame? I mean, at some point, and I know a lot of people on inside Carolina message board still get fired up about how the defense is awful, this and that and other. At some point you got to say, well, damn, that was pretty good. You know, Cam Kelly, Got toasted twice, <laughs> like bad. You, all you saw was the back of his jersey. <laughs> it was easy and, to see that number nine. <laughs> <laughs> and then he steps up and he makes the play that seals the game on a good individual play. I mean, that's part of it. It did yeah. in these day and age, you're gonna get, you're gonna give up points and yards. But Mike always says it: you got to dig on. It don't matter about the last, but the last scoreboard that there is, and. Uh, Carolina's been on the top nine and one. I mean, you UNC safeties and cornerbacks, man, they struggle to tackle. The tackling angles are, are bad. It's been bad all year. Arm tackles being out of position, forcing them to just not be in position to make a tackle. Um, you got to think they're going to go into the portal for a for safety or, or for a corner. It's just tough for UNC to 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 get guys in to undergrad here. I think. Um, I mean, I think grad school's tough as well. But you would think they've got to get a safety um, just to compete and just provide some competition for Kelly and Biggers. Biggers is a senior, but I think they all have an extra year. Ross, uh, somebody's asking about Antoine Green, and you tweeted it out and put it on the message board. But the update on Antoine Green, it sounded like it's a week or a daily thing, right? Yeah. You think it's concussion, Adam? I mean, I, would, I think? have to guess it's a head injury. Yeah. He, he got not, he got taken out after the targeting call call right and then yeah the guy aj williams who hit him was flagged for targeting and 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 ejected and antoine didn't come back in after that late in the first half he already had four catches for 81 yards uh big one hit that real big one in the corner there he was on his way to pretty pretty big day it looked like but i was saying i was actually thinking about antoine when i was driving back from chapel hill today and i was wondering like i wonder just what the prognosis is because you remember Rod Dilworth had the concussion earlier against Notre Dame. It seemed like he was out for two or three games to where you're kind of expecting him to come back. And, he, you know, it took him a while longer. So that's definitely somebody we need to keep our eye on. Yeah, I mean, it and just it, depends on the player and depends on the, the concussion, I guess, or, or whatever. Not saying that's what it is. Right. We're speculating that it's a concussion. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, and right. it seems here, I'm going to put this up, John. Uh, and it seems Conley, man, I don't think we see him again this year. It seems like he had a setback is what UNC is saying. I don't – sources – I don't think it's, like, super, super serious, but they're monitoring it. Um, but I, I just don't think it makes sense for him to come back this year. What, three, two more games regular season, three more games, I guess four total. They don't make the college football playoffs. So, I don't I – so, the comedy questions, I just think he uh, – get ready for next year. What was the wording I got from – go ahead, Tommy. But uh, He had a setback. Here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, was, to add to what J- producer John was saying earlier, like I have I agree with John about this being the window, because I mean, I think 
we'll set it up for Clemson to score 65 on Carolina now. I think Clemson's beatable. I mean, we've all seen them play. Um, you know, they, they are not the Clemson with Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne um, running around out there or Hunter Renfro or whoever. You know, take your pick, T. Higgins. Like, I, I do think Clemson's beatable. I mean, Syracuse – uh, was up big on them in, in Death Valley, and Notre Dame obviously pounded them the other night. And, you know, they've had – you know, I don't think they're uh, – I don't think they're a mo- the monster that they could be. I think Carolina can score on anybody, honestly. Mm-hmm. They, they have a really poor secondary. Isn't that kind of their issue? Their corners are not as good as, as usual. I mean, look, Wake Forest put 45 on them. I know that's two overtimes. But Wake Forest put 45 on them. Um, Syracuse put 21. Florida State put 28. So, you know, yeah, I think you're right. They're, and their offense is just up and down with, with DJ. Um, let me see what happens there. Yeah. Let, let me throw one up here. I'm going to steal the board for a second. Shane asks, how much you think playing for the Heisman for May will help the team stay focused? I don't, I don't think the team stays focused because of that. What do you think, Adam? I mean, they stay focused for what we've been talking about, for what John just threw up on the board. I mean, you got to beat Georgia Tech, you got to beat State, and you got to beat Clemson to have a chance to have this this playoff deal. That's that's the focus, right? Individual awards, yeah, they're cool, but playoffs? That's why they're focused. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. But uh, I mean, I think the obviously the Heisman thing is super cool. I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty freaking awesome. And I think, uh, you know, look at what we look like here. We're not, you know, young 20-year-old studs. You know, all due respect, Ross, you know, you being the biggest stud of the group. But, Speak for um, yourself, Adam. Uh, you know, like, I mean, these guys, you know, are on their phones constantly. And, like, obviously they're highly keenly aware that Drake has a chance you know, in this Heisman candidacy here, what is odds down to like six to one, maybe at this point, I think I saw. Um, And I think they think that is great because I think they like Drake, you know, Drake seems so uh, exceedingly likable, you know, just like one of the guys. Um, So I think that's another little cool nugget carrot to all this time. Yes, of course, you know, they, you know, I think they're focused on Georgia Tech and NC State and Clemson, but yeah, you know, I just think that's another little added feature to just you know I've typed it a million times a special season. I just think that's a really cool part of this season. I think it's a huge motivator, Tommy. I think the the they have to keep winning and playing well. And the offense has to put up points. I think that's a huge motivator for the, the offense and, and the team to stick with it. Like if they lose Georgia Tech, Heisman, the Heisman race is over. Mm-hmm. No matter what Drake really puts up, so I think that's a massive motivator, and they're very aware of it. I mean, it's all over social media. That's the difference now with social media. It makes players aware of of what's going on. Yeah, I, I, okay. I mean, they got a ton to play for. Drake's Heisman race is one of them. You know, I think the playoff thing and winning out and all that stuff and getting to the top of the rankings. I think that's what. If I'm a third-string defensive tackle, I want to win because I want to 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 go to the playoffs. I'm not. I don't can't say I'm thinking about what Drake May does as far as winning awards. Obviously, he needs to play. But I don't know. You guys are right. They're, they've got a ton to play for. That's the thing. That's why the name of this show is Goals on the Table because they're all out there. Uh, let's talk about Johnny T-shirt. JohnnyT-shirt.com. 
We got to get Adam to do this one time. I got my Johnny T.J. question on. So, so I'll send this. You got to do like I do. I just wing it. Love y'all Johnny T-shirt, but I don't read well, so I just ring it. (laughs) Crew neck sweatshirt, especially. It's kind of warm or kind of cold up here in the way up. I don't have a man tower. I have a way up. Not a man cave, but a way up. (laughs) And it was cold up here, so I put on a crew neck sweatshirt. It's not a Johnny T-shirt one, but Ross Martin has a Johnny T-shirt sweatshirt. You get everything you need, NIL stuff, all all the home gate, tailgate, swag you need and it's christmas time take care of them they're always having sales for christmas anything you could possibly want football related basketball seasons now all the other sports baseball's around the corner johnny t-shirt on franklin street johnny t-shirt.com 10 percent off if you're an inside carolina premium subscriber if you want to see the video that jason staples put up that john bowman mentioned gotta be an inside carolina premium subscriber to yeah. do it yeah. and it's worth it i mean jason talking for $10 a month, man, that's the best deal you could get. <laughs> and you get 10% off Johnny T-shirt. Go ahead, Ross. You got one. You got to read. All right. Yeah, I mean, I was going to add about the subscription stuff. I mean, just Don Callahan's info, Shirelle's info, the X and O's videos, the message board, man. It's, sometimes you go on there and it's just funny to read through the comments. I mean, it's entertaining enough. And then we, we obviously put all our breaking news first to the message boards there, injury updates, any scoop we have as well. Blue Shark Vodka. The smoothest vodka in the world. We want to thank Connor Barth and the people over at Blue Shark Vodka out of Riceville Beach for sponsoring this podcast, sponsoring Calling the Shots, and sponsoring Inside Carolina, an independent, locally-owned company. Support local, drink local, read local, Inside Carolina and Blue Shark Vodka. I have this holiday cocktail. Y'all ready for it? All right. Blue Shark Vodka, ginger ale, um, cranberry juice, Orange slices, and then you drop some cranberries in as well with some ice cubes. It's a nice holiday cocktail for Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, like a little punch. We'll call that the, the holiday punch. Uh, so Blue Shark Vodka, check them out. And they're available in all 100 counties at a, in North Carolina at a very uh, accessible price point. So if you're, if you're drinking vodka, try Blue Shark Vodka. We have some national ads. We'll be back with more of On The Beat Live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back. It's 933 on the East Coast. Ross Martin with the reeds. The dulcet tones of Ross Martin's voice. John Bowman down in the corner. I'm up in the left corner. And then the youngest of the bunch, Adam Smith, on my bottom left. I assume everybody's bottom left. John Bowman, what you got left for us? I want I want to talk a little bit about, about the Heisman. I think that is another big topic this week. I have a couple of comments specifically about the Heisman voters. 
think, first of all, you have to remember the Heisman voters, they have not watched Drake May play. If they've watched it, it's been like a clip here or there. Heisman voters, it's sort of a weird, humongous group of media people who are all too busy to really be watching UNC every week. What you want, I've talked about this before, what you want with the Heisman is you want to win the narrative because it is a group of people voting for this award. You want to win the narrative. The thing that matters with the Heisman, I think, to me, is Drake May gets the last at-bat. Everyone's going to be home on December 3rd, 8 p.m. All these Heisman voters, probably a lot of them, are going to be sitting down to watch Drake May for the first time, and they're going to say, oh, wow, this guy is actually pretty good. And they're going to see all the things that all of us who have watched him every single week have seen this season. I think Drake is very much in contention for the Heisman Trophy. It would be a humongous accomplishment for him to get the uh, invitation to New York. But just like UNC is alive for the college football playoff, I am of the opinion that Drake May could actually win the Heisman Trophy Award. Ross or Adam, either of one you want to start. Do you think Drake May could actually win the award? Or is it just in play to make it to New York? I think they have to beat Clemson, obviously. And he has to um, make big-time plays in that game. I think it's shrouds to lose because it's that it's that Ohio State. They're number one or top, you know, top two in the country. They're winning, and it's that big national program. But um, I, I think there's a really good chance he'll get invited to New York. I think they have to invite four now. Someone told me that today. Was that Jeff Schottmer? Mm-hmm. Someone told me that they have to invite four. Is that a new thing? It used to be five, and in the last couple of years, I've seen only three, so I'm not... They mix it up. A lot of times, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four, but someone told me today that they have to invite four. Yeah, I think I they know. were saying that... I think that was when we were there at the football center, because I was thinking that three has been the number the last couple of years. Um, but, I mean, to answer the question... See, I think the problem is that people think the ACC sucks, and... I just think that's the problem. And I, I think what is great is that he's leading the nation in all these categories. The numbers are just stupid. Carolina's nine and one. And people, some guy who's voting in East Lansing, Michigan, or Fort Collins, Colorado, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Luke May's little brother. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, didn't his dad play? Like, there's, you know, he's got a lot of pop and sizzle. In, in some of those ways. I mean, not to start tooting the horn over here, I have voted for the Heisman Trophy before, and John is absolutely right. I mean, I don't want to like act like I didn't study for the test. I didn't watch all those guys play all those games. Uh, I can remember one year uh, I cast a ballot for a guy named Johnny Manziel, and people were saying, well, a freshman shouldn't win the Heisman. Uh, a, a person I respect in this business told me, he would never vote for a Heisman, a freshman to win the Heisman, no matter how freaking nasty he was. Um, I did. So anyway, uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with Ross about the CJ Stroud factor. You know, the the there's the thought that oh, well, you know, the ACC doesn't play big boy football. You know, it's not the SEC, it's not the Big Ten. Um, so, Adam, I have a quick question there. I want to know the process as a Heisman voter, what was it like? Mm. Did they reach out to you at the mm. beginning of the season? Did they send you a gold envelope in the mail that you had to <laughs> scratch it back and send back to them? What was the process? I, t- I tweeted out the schedule. If you want to look on my Twitter, go ahead, Adam. I'm going to read it yeah. to y'all. 
in a second here. No, go ahead, Ross. That's what, what do you uh, mean for when well, they go to New York and that? Well, yeah, here Ross it is. is. Let me hold on. While you're looking, I just want to, uh, an aside here, this might be a record. We have an Oregon fan talking smack on the Inside Carolina On To Be Live podcast. Angry looking duck. Angry duck. We're going to call you Angry Duck. Bo Picks, Nicks. Uh, sorry, that's a shout out to Gregory Hall. Anyway, quiet, my bad. Quiet. And aside. Uh, so the schedule, <laughs> and then they'll let Adam take over. Uh, November 28th is when highs and ballots are distributed. I'm assuming it's online. It is. Um, highs and ballots distributed. December 5th is the highs and voting deadline. The ACC championship game is December 4th. So you can, I guess you could vote before that, but I would imagine most people vote on December 5th. Uh, and on December 5th, highs and finalists are announced. So anytime between the 28th and the 5th, you can submit your ballot. And then the ceremony is December 10th, which is the um, following Saturday night. Adam, what's the process like? Okay, so that is, yeah, obviously it would be, I'm sitting here trying to do the math. Obviously, that would be a Saturday. It's always on a Saturday. I'm like, what day is December 10th? Um, I mean, do we need to go to New York? Okay, we can talk about that later. Um, back, to, back to back trips to New York? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing sexy, honestly, about the vote. I mean, it is a pretty amazing thing to, to do, but it's the, the times I have done it, I think I've done it four times uh, online, and it's been because, the organizations I've worked for had AP top 25 votes. A lot of the people that vote in the AP top 25 poll vote for the Heisman. There's other awards there, the Walter Camp stuff, all those. You know when ESPN does the, what is it, sort of the season-ending award shows when there's no games mm -hmm. going on, you see these guys at these different spots throughout the week. It's like the award ceremony week. There's all sorts of ones like that i mean it's fun i mean it's it's there's no gold envelopes there's just an email and you're dragging names i mean you you know you list them you can put i mean you could put josh downs on there if you wanted to you could put uh you know whoever you wanted to on there um you know and i, th I think you can vote for up to five and you know the your number one pick gets the most points but it's i mean it's pretty straightforward thing and yeah it's pretty cool um i i Sometimes it's a little hard because you feel like you don't know these guys as much as you should. So um, that's but so that's what I'm saying, though. And again, it's all all due respect to Adam. You guys are just busy. The media members are busy. You're covering your specific team. You're watching yeah. one team every week. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're watching one team, and then yeah. all these other so, teams are playing. So I was gonna say, man, when you cover a team, you really don't watch other games as much. Um, it's same way for like the NCAA tournament. Like we miss so much of the tournament because you're you're covering one team. You, know, you watch, you, you know, you can watch what you can, but football, like if it's a, you know, if it's a three thirty kick, you don't, you don't see much of the 12 games, 12 PM games. And you really can maybe get home for an hour of the um, 8 PM kickoff games. And I think it's, we, we talked to um, UNC SID, Jeremy Sharp today. Uh, he's, he listens to on the beat. So he might be listening right now. Um, but they kind of, in my opinion, they officially launched the campaign yesterday with that tweet that y'all saw with the hashtag Drake May, Drake for Heisman. May for um, Heisman. May for Heisman. Yep. Yeah, but he said that they've been kind of building towards this with appearances on national, um, you know, national radio shows, national TV shows, uh, you know, ESPN, national ESPN writers have been to pieces on Drake as well. So they've been kind of having this... Um, strategic plan to build up to Drake May's Heisman campaign, including reaching out to 
voters in some form or fashion, you know, sending stuff, sending stats, making sure people are aware of what Drake's doing. So while um, the official video, I guess, was released yesterday and, and retweeted by Mac Brown, behind the scenes, they've been building towards this. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds over the next three weeks. I can't tell you. I, I should have mentioned this before, but one of the cool things is getting stuff. Uh, and I, I think I still have a notebook around here for, do you remember he's the backup for Aaron Rodgers with the green Bay Packers. Now Jordan love who was at Utah state, I believe yeah. it was. And yeah. they sent, I guess everyone, I, I, they sent like a notebook, a skinny reporter's notebook with Jordan love. And it looked like a high school yearbook and people had scribbled love notes and all this stuff. And they sent like little heart shaped candies with this love for Heisman. Can you feel the love? Um, you know, just also, it, it was kind of cool getting the little gifts like that. Uh, I have I have a quick question for Tommy and for the chat. It's a uh, unconfirmed producer John trivia here. I'm pretty sure this is right, but Jeremy can let us know if it is right. There are four UNC football players to have ever finished in the top ten of Heisman voting. Tommy, can you guess the four players? Uh, it's got Choo Choo. He did it Charlie, twice. Charlie Justice in 1948 and 1949. Uh, Kelvin Bryant, maybe. No, he got hurt that year. I'll give you a hint. Two running backs and a defensive end left. Peppers. Amos Lawrence. Julius Peppers, 2001. He was 10th. And then Amos Lawrence, is he the other running back? Mm -mm. Really? Mike Voigt. Mike Voigt in 1978. He finished 8th. Space Cowboy. Natron means? No, it was Don McCauley. I'm not that old, so... Uh, that's why I didn't know. Peppers, couple, McCauley. A um, couple people in the chat got Tom, it. Tommy had history class with Don McCauley. <laughs> no, I did have Portuguese <laughs> class with Mia Hamm. Um, Barter notes. Wow. She gave me some skills. Um, I, I had a uh, philosophy class with Rashad McCants. Did you really? Yeah, that explains a lot. Did he count? Did he go to? Did he go to class? <laughs> I saw him the first day. Never saw him again. Yeah. I don't. I think he might. I think he might have dropped it. <laughs> I had. Acting for the non-major with Ed Cota and Terrence Newby. Oh, that was one of the greatest classes ever. Great, great class. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, if you were listening to this and you're a student, take that class. It was hilarious. Uh, that's an interesting uh, take there, John. You got any more stump, the old guy? Well, I, 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 uh, I do want Jeremy, if, if I'm wrong here, please call into the show next week. <laughs> and, uh, and correct me. These are unconfirmed producer John stats. I'm uh, not an expert here. But I thought I think that is cool. Only four players, uh, in my look, can finished in the top ten of Heisman voting. I think Drake May's probably locked to finish in the top ten at this point. So that would be quite the accomplishment. Well, mm-hmm. honestly, though, what we've been talking about here, and and what Ross was saying, we're we're I mean, we watch one game and we really get into that one game a week. I wonder, you know, the 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 phrase Heisman moment. I feel like that's where it came from because. You need a Heisman moment for everyone from all corners of the globe that vote on this thing to sort of latch on to. You know, like when you hear these people proclaiming, there's his Heisman moment. Like, you know, I, I think that's – you do need that because you don't know what these other voters are watching during, you know, their Saturday from noon to midnight. Yeah, I mean, it's – he's got to have – Somebody asked that question today. What was his Heisman moment? And I think Max Mm -hmm. said the Duke game. But that Heisman moment, quote-unquote, needs to happen in the ACC championship, helping them beat Clemson. 
Um, and, and I think, you know, Carolina getting him out and getting him on the national shows and all that, he's welcome to come send him to the On The Beat Live podcast. I think it would be great. we got a ton of subscribers. Uh, don't know how many voters, though. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but anyway, I mean, one thing schools have to be careful of is they don't want to, like, push all this stuff out and then somebody stinks it up. And, and so I think – I think there's some legitimacy in waiting, but I always think that the schools can do more um, and should do more. I mean, Iowa pushes everybody every year. And, and, I mean, so it is what it is, but I think Clemson is key. 11-1 and one going into Clemson, throw for about 450, run for about 80, and then let the chips fall where they may. He's done all he can do. At that point, he's done everything he can do, and if people don't want to do it, then that's on them what left john you got any more hot takes i want to use a hot take button hold on this thing give me some i i I came with i came with a lot of hot take adam adam missed my my early rant too john you've been great i think you've been wonderful i mean i do i do want to throw up a quick question here this is from r farrell Uh, he asked what do you think about the d line with taylor and des out some people were saying that they had one of their better games against Wake Forest. Uh, Adam, you're shaking your head there. Do you agree uh, that the defensive line looked better a little bit last week against Wake? John, I'm nodding my head. I'm not shaking my head for those of the people who cannot see what I'm doing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yes, I I think they did. I mean, I think Wake's offensive line helped out with that some. Um, But, yeah, I thought we were saying today at the press conference that uh, I think we were saying to Chiswick, like, I'm not sure how they come up with the stats um because they didn't give carolina many sacks and many quarterback hurries i thought i thought they were back there quite a bit i thought they disrupted sam hartman quite a bit and and were able to to make an impact i thought javari ritzy was back there you know quite a bit how about rara you know said gray and rucker you know mac was was praising rucker again today um but i thought i thought the defensive line played pretty well the other night i thought it was maybe the most penetration and like I don't know if we can call it havoc, but like they were back there messing some plays up. I yeah, think I, uh, Rucker graded out seventy-seven point eight. That's another uh, Inside Carolina Premium thing. Is you get to read all these grades on the Inside Carolina Premium message boards. Go ahead, Ross. Yeah, I was gonna say one sack, two TFLs. The numbers don't pop if you look at just the basic box score, um, but I do think, like Adam said, like there was did seem like they got a little more pressure. I think they blitzed more than usual uh, or brought a little bit more pressure because I think Chiswick saw something about how um, Sam Hartman struggled with the blitz. Um, but as Jeff Schottmer said, when, when UNC did blitz, they got beat a couple times too. But I do think Rucker and Ritzy have become very, very crucial to both play a lot more. Um, they set out Chris Collins is still logging the most snaps of any of them. Um, but uh, I think those two guys have become the most important guys for UNC's let, defense. Let me shout out our regular – uh, Schlegel, we will discuss this Thursday because Jason Staples is the one that said they shouldn't blitz. I said if they're going to blitz, they better get home or they're going to get cooked. Um, so we will discuss the pressure, blitz, and all that. And Chizik said today in the press conference they blitz more than they have, and they did. The numbers bear it out in Greg Barnes's article on PFF. But they got home, to Adam's point, the, the defensive line – got through the Wake Forest line despite all the holds. And I know they called a few of them. There was a couple that were big calls, a couple that weren't called. But the defensive line 
played much better to get through there. And, and of course, Eccles and Save Gray always make plays. But, you know, the key is getting home. The key is not sending guys, you know. So, so I'll, I'll I would recommend, I'd recommend everybody to listen to call. I'd recommend everybody to listen right, to call the shots. Uh, Jeff talks about the pressure on calling the shots, which will be on the audio after this podcast, which is important to note. Um, he talks about the pressure and, you know, when it doesn't, when you don't get there, it really puts your defense, uh, like Jason said uh, earlier this, this week, um, it hurts your defense if the pressure can't get there. So it's important when you bring pressure, you get there. And UNC got beat a couple of times when they did bring pressure. Yeah. I mean, they got torched uh, when they did not get home. And, uh, and uh, we see you, George Jenkins. I, I see your uh, request for the hot tape button. Not going to mention it, but uh, maybe John can work that out. Anything left, boys? I mean, Carolina's got a ton to play for. Georgia Tech comes. I think we're sort of overlooking Georgia Tech. You know, I yeah. have no idea who will play quarterback, but but as Chip said and as they said, they've got some talent. Go ahead, Ross. Trap game. It has trap game and all over it. Drake May said on the field at Wake Forest Saturday night. It's a trap game. I mean, they had just won the Coastal. They got the trophy. He just got out of the shower. And you might see that in countdown to kickoff later this week. Uh, he he said trap game. And, you know, uh, Ross, I know Ross didn't make that trip last year. I don't blame him one bit. I was down at Georgia Tech last year. They played the game in Mercedes-Benz where the Falcons play. That was an abomination from the Tar Heels last year against Georgia Tech. They were a massive favorite on the road somehow. Um, and I think Sam Howell got sacked eight times. And mm -hmm. I remember Mac coming on and comparing Jeff Sims to Vince Young. <laughs> he looked the long too. strides of Jeff Sims. To my and, um, credit, he looked like Vince Young in that game. He looked pretty good that day. But uh, that was what did Mac say this morning, Ross? That he looked at the score and it made him throw up this morning or yeah. something. He looked at uh, the yeah, he looked at the stats this morning and it made him throw up. So yeah, so it's just between they won the coastal and it's, and it's the game before the NC State game. That's the you know that's the definition of a trap. They've kind of achieved something. You know, and there's two bigger games on paper ahead of them. And so, uh, but so yeah, George Tech at home, 530 ESPN2. It yeah. would be kind of fitting, Coastal Chaos, to have one final swing. Because this is UNC's last Coastal game, is it not? Uh, you know, because Georgia Tech is in the same division. There would be one final swing of the Coastal Chaos meter for Georgia Tech to pull. And upset. I, I kind of agree with Bull Heel, though. I think I, I'm sort of of this same sentiment. Go ahead, Adam. Do it. It'd be crazy if they they went unbeaten in the coastal in the finals. It was like no coastal chaos, just coastal. Uh, what? What's the app? You know, just like oh hum, uh, we swept the coastal. Yeah, nothing weird happened. Well, a lot of weird stuff happened, but we won every game. George Sex beat Pitt, beat Duke, and beat Virginia Tech. I mean, it's not like they're awful. You know, I mean, beating Pitt up there, and you know, that was in October first, and beating Duke. Those are decent wins, I'd say. The pit game was right after they fired Jeff Collins. It was mm -hmm. their first game after they fired Jeff Collins. I don't think – no one said Georgia Tech was awful. I mean, um, yeah, and beating Duke. I mean, Pitt and Duke, have, you know, they've been two of Carolina's tougher games this season. Go ahead, John B. We're about to get out of here. It's on the beat live. It's 9.53 on the East Coast. Johnny T-shirt, Blue Shark, all the good stuff. Uh, subscribe. If you're in the YouTube chat and you're not subscribed to the – Inside Carolina YouTube channel, please do that. Let's get to 16K um, by the end of the week. And if everybody hits that button, we'll get there. 
What you got, John? I have a question for Ross, our resident food expert here. Uh, I have some breaking news as well. So this is from Sam Robinson, who claims to be the UNC undergraduate vice president. He says that the on-campus Bojangles will be honoring the 100-point special, the two sausage biscuits for a dollar. Ross, how long is the line going to be at the Bojangles on campus the next time UNC scores 100 points? How many, how many times would you have gone to that as a student? I saw that they weren't honoring it. Was that like, is that the issue? Yeah, they, they just announced that they are going to do it. So it says oh, on okay. November 18th, while supplies last, two sausage biscuits for a dollar for everyone who wants to go wait in a three-hour. Yeah, there's nothing better than free food. I love free food. It, uh, I'm glad that UNC is getting uh, having me- meals before basketball now. It tastes better when it's free. So I, I think the line will be long. I don't know. <laughs> I can't do I, I love some Bojangles, but it's hard to do these days. You get older, it's tough to handle some Bojangles. Uh, Carolina basketball, tom- is tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, Gardner-Webb. You boys covering? Do we look forward to the Ross and Adams show from Smith Center? Always yeah, it should be there. Yeah, all good to go always there. Good. And I want to thank uh, some of the guys in the chat here. Calm waters in the coastal, coasting in the coastal. These they're all appreciated. We we'll put these in the little mental bank up here, and it might blue, blue shark coastal, the smoothest coastal race in the history of the coastal. <laughs> it might so pop out onto the keyboard somewhere. <laughs> you boys are funny. It's time Tom, to go. Tommy, who's on the show tomorrow night with you after the game? Sherelle uh, McMillan will join me in post-game Gardner Webb. It is a scoop week with Ross and Don Callahan. So Sherelle will get on with me on the post-game basketball to talk a little hoops and what he's seen, what he what he has seen in the first three games. And then Ross and Don on Wednesday with a scoop. Is that accurate, Ross? And yep. then game plan on Thursday. Greg Barnes and I on next level guest to be determined at this time. Um, speaking of which, we had a guest on last week, Joe Lizzie from New Jersey. He's a sports betting guy, and he talked about Drake May's chances, and it was not what what, what people wanted to hear on Inside Carolina Message Boards, but it is relevant to how the national guys mostly think of his candidacy for the Heisman. So it's worth a listen if you haven't listened to that. Then game plan Thursday, VIP on Friday, and then Inside Carolina Live in the bowls a lot, I guess it. 2.30, 2.30 to 4.30 in the bowls lot. Hope to see Adam Smith there in the bowls lot live. It's a requirement. <laughs> on the beat here, on the beat live, Ross Martin, Adam Smith, John Bowman, and 300 of our favorite friends in the YouTube chat. It's always fun. Rate, review, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Get it done. Blue Shark and Johnny T-shirt and Inside Carolina. We'll see you next time. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. 
Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Welcome in to Call on the Shots, presented by Blue Shark Vodka, the smoothest vodka in the world. This is Call on the Shots. I'm your host, Ross Martin. As always, joined by former UNC linebacker Jeff Schottmer. Jeff, what's up, man? What's up, Ross? Happy Monday. Happy Monday to all Tar Heel fans, Coastal Champs. Hope you guys booked your tickets to Charlotte. We've kind of been telling you to do that a couple weeks ago. So hopefully you find it. Now it's official, so go ahead and go ahead and book. Yeah, Tar Heels defeat Wake Forest on the road 36-34 to move to 9-1 and on the season, 6-0 and in the ACC, and a crazy 6-0 and undefeated record on the road in the regular season. That's outstanding. Another come from behind. They were trailing in the second half, um, you know, shut out Wake Forest in the fourth quarter, and really the, the, the difference was the interception and field goal that put UNC up 36-34. First, Jeff, I want to talk to you. You said you didn't watch much of the game live because you were getting honored by your high school. Tell us about that. I want to, I want to kind of go into the Jeff Schottner high school career here for a second. So I uh, I got inducted to my high school Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, pretty cool honor. Um, so it's it's funny because two, go- two guys in my current high school class, uh, Jordan Spieth and Josh Bell, who are both, you know, playing in the in their professional ranks you know they actually were in the same class and they didn't get inducted this week so I kind of have a leg up on them and I can you know talk some crap to them that I got inducted in the hall of fame before them they had some prior obligations they couldn't make it that's why they weren't <laughs> obviously they are way more qualified way more talented than me but uh it was a cool honor who's the other guy you said not speak the other guy uh Josh Bell he's the starting first baseman for the Padres Gotcha, gotcha. No, no. So were you like, a, were you really – sorry, go ahead. Coach Fedora showed up, so him and his wife showed up, so that was pretty cool. So, you know, I just want to give him a shout-out. You know, he's he was my head coach for four years, and I got to coach under him for a year. And he's just a, he's just a great man, and he had some ups and downs at Carolina, but the fact that he – you know, I invited him to my high school Hall of Fame ceremony and he showed up with his wife was pretty cool. That's awesome. Were you, like, really good in high school? Like, what was your – what kind of high school player were you? I was a – I played safety. You know, I, I I was a really good player. I was first team all district. I was all state my senior year. But I, I played football, basketball, and baseball, you know, all through high school. And I was all district in all three sports, which hasn't been done yeah. in my high school in a while. So I was I was a good basketball player. I was a really – baseball was probably my best sport, but I just – it was boring. What would you play in baseball position? Uh, third base, outfield, but mostly third. Okay. What would you play in base, basketball? Basketball, I was point guard, shooting guard. Damn. I was, I was I imagine, 180 pounds, 175 pounds. Yeah. I imagine you being like, you know, Letterman's jacket, you know, slamming the locker, <laughs> getting your books, You're like the big man on campus, star <laughs> linebacker, star point guard, or star safety. No, definitely not. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Um, congrats to Jeff being honored by his high school. But we got bigger things to talk about, man. UNC Coastal Champions. Feels like 15, feels like 2015. Jeff, the starting linebacker on that team, UNC clinches the Coastal. Um, I mean, kind of unbelievable from, from kind of where this team was after the Notre Dame loss, all the defensive talk to now be 9-1. and one. It's crazy to say with a chance to go 10-1 and one 
uh, obviously could go 11-1 with NC State losing to Boston College, and they've punched their ticket to Charlotte to play Clemson. Just in general, Jeff, your thoughts on where this team is right now at 9-1? I still feel like we haven't played our best game yet, which is exciting to see. You know, there's there have been games where, you know, our offense has completely carried us. There's been games where our defense has played a lot better than they have. Um, but it's just timely plays that our team keeps making. You know, obviously we're, we're led by Heisman candidate Drake May. Um, and UNC has officially launched his campaign, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But um, with, with him in the game, we always have a chance to win. And, you know, our defense – while they're criticized heavily and they give up a lot of yards and they've been giving up points, you know, the, the second half of games this year, they've really helped us win games. They've made timely, you know, turnovers and, and, and stops. And uh, it's, it's honestly just a team effort. Um, you know, to be able to go six and zero on the road is, is pretty incredible, especially for a program. You know, we went over a calendar year without having a road win. So to be able to flip the script, especially with a, you know, a, a young, unproven quarterback going into the season as Drake. Now, obviously, he's one of the goats at Carolina already. But um, it's just it's just been fun to watch as a fan. Obviously, it's 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 frustrating at times and it, it causes a lot of heartache and it, it's it's nerve wracking and it takes some years off your life. But, you know, we should be very proud of these guys. They're well deserving. We should, the, the coaching staff's done, done a great job. So, you know, much props to all those guys. It, it is really fun, you know, speaking from a fan perspective, it, it's football is so much different than basketball. For some, It's just winning in football because there's only 12 games and because it's not as expected as basketball, winning in football just feels different. I mean, the games are exciting for UNC. You know, the offense is awesome, but you, you always know it's going to be pretty tight come fourth quarter. Um, you know you only get 12 of them. It's not like you're playing crappy teams in, in November and December like the basketball team is. And so winning in football just hits different. Yeah. I don't I mean, obviously you have a completely different perspective, but from a fan perspective, um, I mean, a winning football team, it's just, it's just way more fun than I think for UNC than a winning basketball team. Yeah. I mean, you see in the, uh, the social media videos they post after the game of the locker room content. I mean, the pure joy in those guys' faces and the coaches' faces, it's just, it's unexplainable. It's, it's hard to replicate and it's, it's just like natural energy you get after you, you win a game and especially on the road, you know, you talk to any college football player and although they love playing at home, winning on the road just hits different. It really does. Cause you know, you got your select group of fans that come to the game. So you're celebrating with them and then you get back in the locker room and you're just in a, in a different environment and you're just, you're just on cloud nine on, on any game you win. And uh, you know, our guys are so deserving of it. They found another, found a way to, you know, pull out a close one again. Um, but like you said, to compare it to basketball, you know, there's 30 plus games like each game in a college football season. Just the magnitude of it is so much bigger because it, it truly affects the the outlook and the whole direction of the season. Yeah. And UNC checks in at number 11 in the coaches poll, number 13 in the AP poll. And of course, the college football playoff ranking has come out on Tuesday. I mean, it's going to be tough to get into the college football playoff. They have an outside chance. I think what's even more exciting is, is um, well, not more exciting, but Drake May's highs and chances continue to rise. We'll talk more about that. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of the show here. Jeff wants to talk about the defense. We're going to go defense heavy first, then we'll get into some offensive stuff, um, including formation diversity, Drake May, tight ends, and we'll get into our players of the game. Look ahead to Georgia Tech and get out of here. Jeff, start with the defense. We'll go through a couple different topics as the show rolls on. 
Yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to talk about, I want to give them credit. You know, they are a resilient bunch. They they have amnesia, and here's what I mean by that. They they let up, I don't know, 27 points, 21 points in the first half, and they're almost they're a team that just they forget bad things happen. So, you know, they they let up all these yards and all these points, but once the second half second half comes, they make corrections, they make adjustments. And they find ways to make stops when 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 they need it at times. You know, like looking at the fourth quarter, we go in there. We don't we don't allow a single point. We we get a giant turnover from Cam Kelly. You know, most teams and defenses in that scenario, they've let up a bunch of points. They kind of lose confidence in themselves. But our team, they just they forget all the bad happens and just go out and play the next series, which I can really appreciate as a fan and as as a former coach. You know. So they don't hang their heads. They just, you know, they go back out there and forget what happened the drive before and go, you know, have still have confidence in themselves. And it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. So in the fourth quarter, Wake Forest had four drives. Oh, sorry, had three drives. Uh, the first one ended in the red zone on a fourth down. Um, UNC stopped Sam Hartman on fourth and 20, kind of fumbled it. Um, and, and UNC took over fourth and three. They failed to get it. UNC had a, a short drive. They had a punt it, and then Wake Forest takes it over with 5.47 left, and that's when Sam Hartman threw the interception to Cam Kelly. UNC kicks a field goal. They have one more drive, Wake Forest does. It's another fourth down fail. So three drives by Wake Forest um, and three stops by the Tar Heels, and that was a huge difference there. All right, um, pressure. It seemed like UNC brought a lot more pressure in this game. Um, to try to bother Sam Hartman. Your thoughts on that? You know, the fans, everybody's like, bring more pressure, bring more pressure. It seems like when they did, it didn't work as much as fans would like. Yeah, just from my, you know, watching the game or watching the game tape, just we we did bring more pressure, more five and six man pressures, and we even brought a seven man pressure, a cover zero pressure that I don't think we've we've done earlier this year. And we had mixed results. And honestly, some of the time, the majority of the time we brought pressure, it, it wasn't successful for us. Uh, I can think of two instances in the game where we brought a cover zero pressure, which is or cover zero blitz, which is we're bringing one more defender than they have eligible to or to block us. So all the all the, the DBs that are covering the eligible receivers, they're in man to man with no post safety help, no other help. So it's just them one on one with no help in between, and we're bringing seven guys to to try to hit the quarterback and the, and the quarterback's got to get the ball out quick because, you know, they don't have enough blockers to block us. And on two of those instances, they, they throw a quick, quick pass. Our DB makes a, he misses the tackle and they, they take it 40 plus yards. So, you know, pressure is, it's very fickle. You know, you can, obviously when you hit home, it, it's great, but you know, when, when a quarterback's able to see it and get the ball out quick and, and we don't get there as a, as a, as the pressure, then it puts our DBs in a tough situation because if they if they don't get the receiver on the ground right away, it's a very explosive play because there's no other help and everyone else is in man coverage with their eyes on their man. Yeah, I mean, pressure's great when it gets there, but it has to get there to be successful. UNC still, I mean, two TFLs, one sack, only four quarterback hurries. By comparison, um, Wake Forest had six quarterback hurries on UNC. They had five tackles for a loss and three sacks. So the pressure is still not getting there. Um, UNC is not getting those negative um, plays on defense. All right, next up, um, you want to talk about the secondaries being forced to tackle, how, how offenses yeah. are attacking UNC? 
Yeah, so just the last couple of weeks, I think our opponent offenses are, are doing a good job scheming up runs and making our secondary, especially our, our boundary safety and our corners tackle the run game. You know, if, if obviously you can watch our defense for 10 games now and you know that, you know, the top three coverages we play. So offenses and offensive coordinators are smart. They know how, how that we fit runs. So what they're, what they're going to do is scheme up runs to make our, our safeties and our corners tackle because they're our worst tacklers, you know, out of the, out of the bunch, you know, our, our two best tacklers are the linebackers. Mm-hmm. Obviously. So they're scheming up runs to make sure that they're, you know, they fit their gaps, but they aren't the primary uh, defender to tackle the ball carrier. And what Wake Forest did a bunch was they would um, to the boundary. And we talked a little about field boundary stuff earlier this year. They would, they would cut the split of the receiver to the boundary and they would run the ball into the boundary and the receiver would go crack the safety because they knew he was in the run fit. So the receiver would take an inside release and go crack the safety. So now in that instance, the cornerback has to come off and now he's the primary uh, defender to tackle the running back. So you saw a bunch in the game where we, uh, Wake Forest would run the ball into the boundary and the cornerback would have to come off his receiver and try to make a tackle on the running back, which wasn't successful for us. You know, I feel like anytime Wake Forest would run, you know, inside runs or, or gap scheme plays where the linebackers were the, the primary defenders to tackle, you know, they didn't have an explosive run over 10 yards, you know, but they hit us on some runs when, when they forced our safeties and our corners to tackle. So as, as credit to Wake, you know, they've, they've run the similar scheme for the last couple of years now. So I think that's something to look forward going, look, something to look for going forward is just our secondary and our, and our corners, they have to be able to tackle in the run game and it, they haven't really progressed this year. And I'll, that's, that's what I'll say about that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the angles too. I feel like Cam Kelly, um, Biggers, either, or, you know, some of the other corners are out of position. Like it's, they're not in a position to make a good full body tackle. It's usually arm tackles that are usually broken. You saw that a bunch third, fourth quarter. And then Cam Kelly comes with interception, completely redeems himself, which is good to see kind of Shakespearean there. I mean, he was, people were hating on Cam Kelly because of all the missed tackles leading to big chunk yardage and he makes the interception. So that was good to see for him. Uh, of course, he had two interceptions of Sam Hartman last year against Wake in UNC's win there. Um, did you want to talk about the fourth? Go ahead. Yeah, I want to talk about Cam, that that play especially. Yeah. Like he's – that one instance is kind of like how – it describes our whole defense perfectly. You know, we – Cam, you know, misses a tackle on, on a pressure earlier in the game. They get a 48-yard, you know, gain out of it. But he, he does – he's unfazed. Like his confidence is still sky high. And if you talk to Cam, he's – nothing will phase that kid. And he's a very confident kid. And – he had the ability to forget all the bad stuff that happened earlier in the game and then go make the biggest play of the game. You know, Wake Forest is driving down the field, and I would like to talk to to one of our coaches and see what coverage we were in there because I went back and watched it on film, and it looked like we were in a man concept, and Cam was either doubling the slot to the field or he was like a, a robber safety just, you know, uh, cutting ver- uh, in-breaking routes. But, you know, Cam initially started to the field side on the slot receiver – and then as Sam Hartman was going through his progressions, he followed the quarterback's eyes and, and, you know, moved 10 to 12 yards to the boundary and beautiful timing and, and made the right play and, and caught the ball. You know, it was, it's a hard catch. And you see, like we talk about it all the time, most DBs, they drop those. And Cam, you know, 
caught it and, and you know, gained 20-plus yards on it. So give him a bunch of credit for that. Yeah, we talked about after the game. They, he said they were in cover one, man. Okay. Um, and, then, yeah, he undercut the pass play. He said he was reading the quarterback's eyes, like you said, and just kind of, you know, you see these plays happen throughout the game. You finally kind of get a, a read for what the quarterback's doing, and he, he made the play, and you're right, man. So many times they drop these balls, and Cam's been pretty sure-handed. He's had a couple interceptions in his career, at least four, I think, now, um, maybe five. So good it, for him. It's funny that they're in cover one, and Cam Kelly is seven yards from the line of scrimmage. And normally when you talk to defensive coordinators, if you watch the NFL, like if they're playing cover one, the middle safety is 20 yards deep because he's got to be able to affect all these throws. But I guess we were teaching our guys, you know, that they're running more intermediate throws on that down and distance. So Cam was just sitting there in, a, in essentially like a robber position. So, you know, good job for our coaches for scheming that up and great play by Cam. Yeah. All right, the uh, fourth downs, third down conversions, what you can see on defense there against Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our defense statistics, so we were – our defense – was thir- three of 12 on third down, meaning Wake Forest didn't convert nine third downs, which in college football, if you're under 33%, you're in the top you know, 10% of the country. And so those are great stats. But what, what we got was a taste of our own medicine, and now Wake was going for it on fourth down and converting a bunch. They were four of six on third down, and four of those third down conversions – or four of those – Three of those fourth down conversions, I'm sorry, they turned into 21 points. So normal, and some of them were when they were backed up on their own side of the field. So our defense did a great job of getting off the field on third down, but Wake was going for it on fourth and two, and fourth and three, and fourth and four, and ultimately converting those, uh, you know, fourth downs and then turning them into points. So I think our numbers and our statistics get skewed a little bit because in a normal opponent, maybe we're off the field, Wake Forest is punting. But they were aggressive and they, and they they went for it. And you know, anytime an offense gets four downs to score or to get ten yards, it's way harder on a defense. It affects your play calling. So give give Wake Forest a bunch of credit because you know they they took advantage of those fourth downs that they converted and turned them into points. Kind of like our yeah. offense has been doing all year. Yeah. So you, and UNC converted ten of sixteen third downs. Wake Forest only three of twelve, like Jeff said. Fourth downs, UNC was 0 for 2 on fourth downs. We'll talk about that. And then Wake Forest was 4 for 6. All right, that's the defensive portion of the show. Let's do an ad read, and then we'll get into offense. Guys, Blue Shark Vodka, want to appreciate Connor Barth and the whole family at Blue Shark Vodka for supporting Calling the Shots, um, for supporting On the Beat, and um, the Scoop Podcast, Inside Carolina. Check them out. Available at all 100 uh, counties, ABC stores, and the smoothest vodka in the world. A little holiday cocktail for you here, Jeff. Ready? Vodka, Blue Shark vodka, ginger ale, cranberry juice, sliced oranges, and some uh, cranberries in there. Works for Thanksgiving or Christmas. A little, little Thanksgiving punch there for the family. Check that out. Um, smoothest vodka in the world. Independent, locally owned, just like Inside Carolina. So we support those companies like Johnny T-Shirt and Blue Shark Vodka. You're supporting local independent companies who support us a locally family-owned company. We appreciate their support. Blue Shark Vodka. Check them out. Try it. It's very accessible price point and uh, very accessible in all 100 North Carolina counties. All right. Offense. A lot to talk about here. Um, you know, obviously, it's the same thing. It's, I mean, it's Drake May and Josh Downs. Some stats here as we get rolling. Drake May, 31 for 49 
for 448 yards. Massive game for him through the air. Three touchdowns through the air, 63% uh, completion percentage. You know, he ran the ball 19 times. Of course, that includes sacks and tackles um, for 71 yards. He did have the touchdown as well. And the Heisman campaign, I think UNC was kind of just waiting to make sure, you know, he was still on track. And it seems like he is – I think he's got the third highest odds now. Uh, I have it right in front of you here, actually. This is FanDuel Sports. CJ Stroud is plus 150. Hendon Hooker is plus 400. Blake Corum, which I think is a Michigan running back, yeah. is plus 500. And Drake May is plus 500. Caleb Williams is plus 1,200. Stetson Bennett, the fourth, is plus 1,400. Translate those odds for those who don't uh, sports bet, Jeff. So what, who was the favorite? It was CJ? CJ Stroud, plus 150. So that means he's by far and away the betting favorite, meaning – if you bet $100, your returns will be you'll win $150. So just a standard unit in, in betting is $100. So just if it's plus one, if it's plus $1,400, meaning you bet $100 to win $1,400. And then if it's if it's uh, say say Drake May was minus 200 to win the Heisman right now, that would mean you would have to bet $200 to win $100. Yeah, I always get confused because it's like counterintuitive a little yeah. bit. You have to switch your mindset when it's minus versus plus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not a big sports bet over here. All right, let's get into it. I know you have a lot of people to talk about formation diversity, Drake May, um, wide receivers, tight ends. Let's just start with Drake May. Um, you know, you see anything different from him? Heisman campaign's kicking off. Kind of odd, a midseason Heisman campaign. Retro, freshman, never played a game. Now has 10 starts. You know, he is getting so much social media buzz. UNC released kind of their official Drake May for Heisman hashtag video that went out on social media, kind of off that campaign. Three, sorry, two regular season games left. They have a chance on national stage against NC State, which is on ABC, and then against Clemson, which will be a high-profile 8 p.m. night game. Uh, your thoughts on, on what Drake May did against Wake and in general about you know his season in this Heisman campaign? Yeah, I mean, he, he's not only putting the most – uh, prolific single season in UNC history together. He's putting one of the the most special, you know, seasons in ACC history and even college football history. What he's doing, how easy he's making it look. Um, he's just so efficient with the ball. He can run. He can throw. He's not turning the ball over. That's the biggest thing that you look for in a young quarterback. Is yeah, they can make those those great plays, but he's limiting the the negative plays, the bad plays, the catastrophic plays. He's not giving the ball back to the other team. He's taking care of the ball. He's obviously moving the ball at will, and he's he's putting the ball in the end zone. He's he's throwing touchdowns. He's running touchdowns. He's rushing touchdowns. You know, he's, do, he's doing everything. And if you look at the Heisman, I think part of it is obviously statistics. Another factor is, you know, your team's record and your team's ranking. And I think another thing that's underrated is the wow factor of the play. And if you watch Drake, he has that wow factor. Obviously, he's so he's so efficient and make things he makes things look so easy. But he makes some plays that you're just like, there's very few people in college football can make. And there's one play in particular. I think it was the second half, and Wake Forest was bringing a bunch of pressure all night, and they have a free rusher at Drake, and he kind of. He eludes one defender and he's rolling out to his left and he's scrambling a little bit. He's at like midfield and another defender is coming right in his face and his body is completely running to the left. Mm -hmm. he, he stops his feet 
pivots and throws back across his body. I think it was to JJ Jones. And it was, you know, a 25 yard throw on the, on the money with a defender in his face when his whole body and his momentum is going left away from his throwing arm. It's just like plays like that are incredible to see, but he does them every game. And if you were to watch all of his games, like he's doing something like that every game. So he has that wow factor to, you know, to step himself up in the Heisman rankings. Yeah, that was that video was going around social media yesterday. I retweeted it. Um, I think Bryn Renner liked my tweet. That was big for me. Okay. Um, he, he has he has such athletic arm talent. Like you said, like the, the tough throws when your momentum is going one way or the other way, you're throwing the opposite way. That's what stands out. And I don't know if the common fan recognizes those throws because they have they happen, you know, two or three times throughout the game and you don't when you first watch the game i don't know you necessarily see that but then going back like, man, that's an amazing throw and he is i mean it's all there it's the deep throws are there now the intermediate throws the tough throws and then on these short throws you know the tough you know 20 yard out to to your running back they're on point with the velocity that's necessary to get there a couple of those to elijah green in this game um it's all there and i'm excited to see what happens i i think i think there's a pretty good chance he'll get invited to new york I think if he can, if he consistently puts up the numbers, you know, have a couple high-profile games, like we said, you know, still gets two or three. I, it, you have to believe that the the numbers will, will keep growing. You know, he's been so consistent. That's the thing; he hasn't had a bad game. No, I think Notre Dame was probably his worst game, and he had five um, touchdowns against Notre Dame. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Well, I, he, I mean, he's had you know two or three. It seems in every game he has a running touchdown here and there. The numbers are very consistent. And like you said, yeah, the no interceptions is huge. I mean, so, what up? So I did some I did some research. I think they made the Heisman made a rule starting last year that they're automatically going to invite four guys to the Heisman. So the top four vote getters are automatically going to go. I think in years past they've had three, maybe sometimes four, maybe five, but it's automatically four this year. And I think there's there's only five guys, in my opinion, in the country right now that have a chance to win it. And that's at CJ Stroud, it's Corum, the running back, it's Hooker, it's Drake, and Caleb Williams. So he just has to, you know, beat out one of those guys to get the top four spot. But he is, in my opinion, it's him and CJ Stroud are the two most deserving. Um, so, you know, he's in the top five right now. And all he's got to do is, you know, elevate one spot, or if he's in the top three right now, to, to get to New York. Yeah, and UNC has to keep winning too. Like, I think if they yeah, lose a game, absolutely. yeah, absolutely, they have to win out the next two games. I think, and then I think Clemson, Clemson could be his shot for like you know announcing himself to the the national public. Um, if he can win that game, that would be huge. You know, make the big plays late in the game to help UNC win. I'm not sure about when the votes go in. That's another point because the, the I, I ceremony. Think the day, I think it's the day after the ACC championship. Um, I think it's the weekend after. Are you talking about when the votes go in? The yeah, votes yeah, go in? yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. they'll include the ACC championship in their voting process. If if people hold their votes, I think they can. It opens up at some point, and some people yeah. don't wait. So yeah, and then the ceremony is the next Saturday. Yeah. All right, Drake May. Um, all right, offensive formations, Jeff. Yeah, and I, so I, I was there on staff when when Coach Longo first got hired, and just to see the evolution of his offense over the last four years is is so cool to see. Because when we first got there, he essentially had three formations. You know, he had a two-by-two set with no tight end in the core, a three-by-one set with the tight end in the core, and three-by-one with everyone removed from the core. 
And that was really his, his offense. He would just run those three formations. And, and now he's completely transitioned into, you know, he's, he's running 10 to 15 formations a game. He's moving guys all across the formation. Like you saw, you saw earlier in the game at the first half, they put, he put Bryson Nesbitt in the pistol position. You know, I've never seen an offensive coordinator do that. He's, he's putting two tight ends in the game. He's, he's putting empty packages in the game. He's uh, moving Josh Downs all around the formation. He's doing motions. He's putting Josh Downs in the backfield when paired with a running back. You know, it just it's just hard for a defense to prepare for that because, you know, they have so many calls and then they have, they have to have adjustments to each formation. So Longo's doing a great job of mixing things up and, and really diversifying his his formation outlook. Yeah, I mean, you kind of answered, I was going to ask, like, how does it force a defense? What trouble does it give a defense? So – I mean, at some point, they're just like they don't they haven't seen some of the stuff before, right? So they're exactly. adjusting on the fly. And, and how what's the challenge there? I mean, obviously, you see it once. You know, someone up in the booth is charting it, and they'll try to get it corrected on the sideline. But it's those one hitters where you can catch a defense off guard because they haven't prepared for it and try to exploit them on that play. And then obviously, you can see what you know. We have coaches too, so we see what adjustments they make to it, and then we try to come up with something on the fly to exploit them. So. It's just it's cool to see that, you know, he's really, you know, changed his philosophy. Yeah, and I think it helps to have Josh Downs, who's so versatile, who who at this point as a junior can do a lot of different things. And like you mentioned, Bryson Nesbitt, who can do a lot of different things as a versatile tight end. And it leads to our next point about the use of tight ends. Finally, after two or three games of not doing as much, Bryson Nesbitt was banged up a bit. He steps up five receptions, 63 yards. Drake may look to him a lot early. Um, he was all over the field. And then John Copenhaver, I mean, he had yeah. two big catches. seems like his, his catches are always for 20 plus yards. He yeah. had two catches for 41 yards, kind of rumbling, bumbling, tumbling down the um, sideline there. Um, do you see anything from the tight ends worth, worth really mentioning? Yeah. I mean, they, early in the season, they were very productive. We were throwing them the ball a lot. We were playing a bunch of them and the same thing happened, you know, this game. In the first drive, I think Bryson had a couple catches. So we're looking to him early and often. He looked healthy. He, I think he had the big knee brace off his knee. Mm-hmm. You know, his strength, the strength of his game is his athletic ability, his catch radius, and just his route running. You know, he's he's more of like the Travis Kelsey tight end versus the, you know, the Gronk. Like he's the guy that we need to flex out in space and, and use his body and his, his uh, you know, catch radius to beat defenders. Um, so we did that. We flexed him out and threw him the ball. You know, Kamari Morales didn't have any big, like long catches, but he had some, some crucial ones across the middle to keep the chains moving. And then Copenhaver, you know, it seems like he always has like two for 41 or something. Like he's got two different 20 yard receptions, you know? So it's just, it, and the other thing that we, we play all three of them. So it allows them to stay fresh. You know, if each of them plays, you know, roughly 30 snaps a game in a 90 snap game, then they can give you max effort, and and it's it's good for our offense. Yeah, Kamar Morales had two catches for 12 yards, three targets. Copenhaver had two targets, two catches, and Nesbitt had six targets for five catches there. All right. Um, yeah, and that kind of evolves to the, que- to the point about the wide receivers you wanted to make. You know, you and Drake May hit nine different players for catches, and we had Antoine Green come out of the game with an injury, he was hurt on that targeting play, and he missed the entire second half. Then Josh Downs 
had like a full body cramp. He said like every part of his body was cramping. So he went out for a series, maybe two series, and UNC had receivers step up and the offense kept clicking. Yeah, I mean, it was a blessing in disguise, I guess, earlier when in the season when Josh Downs gets hurt, Antoine Green doesn't start the season because he's hurt. You know, it allowed, you know, the guys like Gavin Blackwell and J.J. Jones and Kobe Paysauer to get extra reps with Drake and and kind of build that chemistry because we we obviously needed them in those games versus App and Georgia State and stuff, but now that's paying dividends late in the season. You know, when Antoine Green goes out, Gavin Blackwell comes in, the very next play, we throw him the ball. It's not like he goes in and he's a decoy and we're just going to throw to Josh and all the other guys. No, he's a main target in the game. So it's not like we're, we're putting our backups in and, and not throwing him the ball. You know, he looked really good. I think Drake actually underthrew him twice on deep vertical shots. One was a post and one was an outside fade. But Gavin Blackwell looked good. You know, he he beat his defender, and and if Drake has a better throw, he probably has two touchdowns that are over 40 yards apiece. You know, Kobe Paysauer comes in, has a big catch. So um, it's just really – our offense has been next man up all year. Like You see at the receiver position, you see at the tight end position, at the running back position especially. Like Elijah Green didn't play much earlier in the year, and now he's, our, he's the only running back that's getting snaps. So it's just – it's cool to see that our offense – it's kind of plug and play, and that's a, that's yeah. a credit to Longo as well. Yeah, props to those guys, uh, Blackwell, Jones, and Pace for stepping up, making some plays. And those are going to be the, the wide receivers of the future. You, know, you don't expect Josh Downs or, or Green to be here next year. I would, I would think that UNC would try to go out and get a um, transfer wide receiver just to add some numbers because they have been, have been low on numbers. But it's going to be um, J.J. Jones, Kobe Pastor, and Gavin Blackwell probably as your starters next year, maybe and Andre Green the true freshman this year. And then Elijah Green, let's talk about him. Elijah Green, 18 carries, 66 yards, one touchdown. You know, he showed burst. You know, we were talking about before the show, you know, he had, you know, a stop for no gain, one yard, two yards, and he'd break off a eight-yard or a 15-yard. He shows more burst. Um, you know, he's not a, a, some phenomenal, you know, Michael Carter, Javante Williams guy, but I thought he looked solid in this game. He's added to the passing game as well, three catches, for 30 yards, 11-yard long, uh, four targets. Definitely a, a good component of the offense there. What would you like from Elijah Green? Yeah, so he – when I first got to Carolina in his freshman year, I really just thought he was a straight-line speed guy, could put his foot in the ground and get north and south and showed great bursts. But he didn't have great vision, in my opinion. He didn't see see holes. He, he, he wasn't patient. He didn't let things develop. And now he's he's really gotten better at that. You know, he's he's slowing his reads down. And then once he sees a hole, he's hitting it downhill and he hits it quick. So his I think his um, his patience and his vision has gotten better. And then his ability to stick stick his foot in the ground and make somebody miss in the hole. You saw his, his touchdown run. You know, Wake Forest had an unblocked defender in the hole with not much space. And Elijah puts his foot in the ground, makes one little hesitation move. And the guy doesn't even touch him. Yeah. You know, so his, yeah. Great burst. I mean, it, it is a little bit different than, than what we saw from from Hood or Hampton. Um, I just think he has a little bit more quicker burst out of the uh, out of the hole there, hitting the hole, you know, making some reads, falling forward, maybe not getting you as, as many yards you'd want, but at least you know three or four or five yards, you'll take that um, on every other play. Um, kind of weird. Hampton's not playing much. George Petaway is not playing any. Petaway's in on kickoffs. Will Hardy uh, emerged as a kickoff guy in this game, which was interesting to see. My ass Mac Brown about that. Um, so 
Yeah, you're seeing Petaway there. All right, let's get out of here. Players of the game, offensive player of the game. Jeff, you pick, and I'll follow you. Uh, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Drake. Okay. You know, it's every game. It's either Drake or Josh, and this game was no different. You know, Drake has fully cemented himself in the Heisman campaign, and um, you know he's he's special. I mean, we could harp on you know all his statistics and you know everything he does in the game, but would we just be repeating ourselves each week? But Drake May, I think he won National Player of the Week, so. He's got to be. He's got to be the UNC game game of the week guy. Yeah, he'll be. Uh, he'll be uh, ACC quarterback of the week too. I imagine, which I think will be a sixth time this year. Josh Downs. I'll go with him. Eleven catches. Look, I total this up after the game. Let's pull it up here. Uh, all right. So Josh Downs last four games. You ready, Jeff? Yeah. All right. Duke nine catches, one hundred twenty six yards, no touchdowns. Pitt, 11 catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Virginia, 15 catches, 166 yards, one touchdown. And Wake Forest, 11 catches, 154 yards, three touchdowns. So in the last four games, 46 catches, 548 yards, and six touchdowns. I mean, that's a season for some people. Yeah. I mean, that is – that's four games. He's blown up coming back off the injury. 11 catches against um, Wake Forest, three touchdowns all in the first half. Coming back, had a big uh, conversion there late in the game to help UNC seal it to get the the, the field goal. So props to him. I mean, he is cocky. He is he always talking shit to people. He's counting off his touchdowns. One, two, three. Um, love Josh Downs. He did the post-game press conference with the Coastal Trophy in his hands. Defensive player of the game, Jeff. I'm going to go Cayman Rucker. Okay. Um, his, if you look at his stats, I don't know, maybe he had five tackles. Um, n- nothing big on the stat sheet, but he he had a huge impact on the game. He always plays hard as hell. Um, he's just th- – I think the biggest play of, of the game for him, or he had two. One was the fourth down when Wake was in the red zone and Sam Hartman tried to scramble and, and we stopped him short. Rucker was the, the guy that topped off the run and, and got him down on the ground. And then I think the biggest play he had in the game was on Wake Forest's last drive. He he drew a holding call from the from the offensive tackle, so you know Wake's got the ball with you know chance to go down and score, and and Rucker draws a holding call because he he completely whoops the left tackle, and now Wake Forest is backed up and they have second and twenty to go instead of second and ten, and that kind of changes the play calling and how aggressive we can be on defense, and that's kind of an underrated play in the game that. Um, Rucker just he, – he played a hell of a game. He was uh, he was disruptive all night. And I will go Cam Kelly uh, just because the interception was so big. You know, maybe not the best game. You know, he gets beat a lot, misses some tackles, but the resilience, comeback, good for him, the, the, the best play of the game. The interception sealed the game for UNC, allowed UNC to get the ball back and kick a field goal. That was the difference in the game. Cam Kelly props to him. Um, another interception for the former four-star prospect. All right, let's get out of here, Jeff. Georgia Tech this weekend, 5.30, odd start time in Chapel Hill on ESPN2, another national game. Um, Georgia Tech's got the intern coach. They've had an okay year since since uh, firing Jeff Collins. Collins, yeah. Um, anything to add on this game? I mean, I, this would be – it is kind of like a um, trap game, I think, in a sense. It's, it's certainly not getting the hype that a Wake Forest did or the hype that NC State did, uh, but at home – UNC, floor is yours. Yeah, I, I think this is a trap game, but, you know, this will show the maturity of our team and 
And, uh, you know, this is a game we should win by three touchdowns. Obviously, we got to go out there and, and play. But Georgia Tech has kind of had an up-and-down season. You know, they've, they've won some games they shouldn't have, and they've, um, they've lost some games they probably should have won. And obviously, they, you know, they have a, their head coach get fired, you know, beginning of the year. It's kind of hard on a team. But um, I think the last year's game at Georgia Tech is ingrained in a lot of our guys' heads. I know it's in Mac's head. You know, that was that was one of the worst losses of Coach Brown's mm-hmm. second tenure here. And I, I think, uh, you know, he doesn't forget things like that. And he'll want to put his foot on the gas and, and, and have a great showing. Yeah, this is a, a pad the stat game for, for Drake May and Josh Downs. You know, run it up, get up by a lot, play some, you know, maybe play some bench players, stay healthy. Yeah. Um, but who knows? The way this team is, it might be close come fourth quarter. All right, that'll be it for us. Of course, NC State follows that game. We'll have recaps after every game next week is busy man heading to portland on wednesday for the pk 85 for the, the basketball tournament um so it's it's busy busy season for us um for jeff i'm ross martin blue uh blue shark vodka appreciate them calling the shots unc defeats wake forest 36 34 nine and one coastal champs how's that sound jeff sounds good baby see you guys in charlotte there we go see you guys later Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.